Hello, this is episode 23 with Rick Segrest, former firefighter, 30 plus years experience out of Florida, and he's also the creator of the Fire Sled. This is a really great podcast. We talk about everything, including the kitchen sink. I mean that. Uh, kitchen sink meaning uh, wrestling. So can you dig it? But on a serious note, we talk about his experience as a health and wellness coordinator for his fire department. And we also talk about how he came about to create the fire sled. This is a really great podcast, and thanks again, Rick, for uh, doing this. And I hope you guys enjoy it. Don't forget to like Ops Fitness on Facebook and the actual group. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Welcome to Ops Fitness Podcast with your host, Scott Bisbee. Hello everyone, welcome to Ops Fitness Podcast. I have Rick Segrest out of Florida with me. Rick, how are you? I'm doing awesome, Scott. Very awesome. How are you? I'm doing really great. So can you tell everyone whereabouts you're located? Yeah, I'm down um, New Smyrna Beach, Florida, which is on the east coast of Florida, down the central area. Um they, as I guess Daytona might be, they call that the world's most famous beach. So Daytona is just north of Daytona Beach. Um, I mean, I'm sorry, south of Daytona Beach. Actually, we're well known for as being the shark capital of the world, which is not a good thing to be known for, I guess. Uh-huh. But we do have a lot of shark bites here. Right on. So are you close to where uh, Hulk Hogan lives in? Uh, I think he lives by uh, Del Rey or something like that. Oh. I believe Hulk Hogan um, was originally from, I, I know he was in the Tampa area, which is all the way on the other side, which is on the West Coast. Because when I've been to Clearwater before, I've seen big um, like statues of Hulk Hogan. So I think that's where wow. he, he he's around. Wow. I'm a big uh, wrestling Hulkamania fan. <laughs> <laughs> Are you? Well, yeah. Hulk was Hulk was one of my favorites. That's for sure. My dad... Started watch, make, having me watch wrestling when I was very young, and um, of course, back then it was totally different than it is yeah. now. The the wrestlers are bigger than life now, and yeah. fun to watch. In fact, one of the guys that I work with, uh, he looks like John Cena. In fact, oh, everywhere yeah. we go, people are take pictures with him, think he's John Cena. Oh, absolutely! Holy, it's, it's amazing. It, it's a blast, and he's such a nice, humble guy, big monstrous man. But he uh, he's he's very nice to everybody. So. It's, it's a lot of fun. Wow, that's awesome. Um, yeah, I uh, remember my earliest uh, memories. Uh, my mother would uh, put me down uh, for naps, and she would have it on wrestling. So Hulk Hogan, Coco Beware, uh, Ricky Steamboat, all those guys. Oh, man, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, what, what was the one guy? Jimmy the something Jimmy, Snooker? Do you remember yeah, him? Yeah, Snooker, yeah. Ah, he was awesome. Yeah, the guy he was. was shredded. He He's was amazing. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I used to work out with a guy that um, he wasn't in wrestling when he started working out, and then he got uh, he got into wrestling. And um, his name was his stage name was Razor Ramon. 
don't know oh, if you ever heard of him. Billy Scott Hall. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Scott Hall. He was a, I think he started out as a coyote wow. or something like that. Then he changed it for sauna to Razor Ramon. But I remember when he was a skinny little kid in um, Orange Avenue gym, which was a gym that was owned actually by um, a wrestling promoter. Yeah. And it was most of the, the, the biggest guys like in the area were in there. And even Hulk, even um, Lou Frigno, when he'd come to town, he'd work out any, any, any people wow. that came that was had any size would work out there. So a lot of the wrestlers would come there. I don't know if you remember the ultimate warrior. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. He, he came in there and he was as big as he looked on TV. He's a big wow. guy. Wow. Yeah. So. I'm not sure if you uh, were following Scott Hall's story, but a few years ago, he was uh, pretty close to death. And uh, uh, I was just uh, watching his recovery, and it was totally amazing. Yeah, Scott, Scott's had some demons, you know, like I think a lot of people in, in that kind of business. Um, you know, and I, I won't get into what his demons are, but, you know, because I'm sure it's not personal. I'm sure more people know about it than... Than, than me, but, um, he, he was a good guy and, uh, I always enjoyed talking to him and at the gym and stuff. He's always a nice guy, but, uh, that's, yep. He, he, he went through some demons that's for sure. So uh, I know he's got a son now, I believe that's tried to, um, make it in professional wrestling. Yeah. Um, I forget his name, but, uh, yeah, I think his name, not Cody, but, uh, something like that. But yeah. Um, He's uh, trying to make it. Uh, th- that's really awesome. Uh, two yeah. degrees from separation, NWO. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. So, uh, what did your parents do while uh, while you were growing up? Well, my dad was a um, iron worker. He was a, a boiler mechanic. Um, my uncle owned a boiler business, and he was the foreman, so he ran it. And, um, my mom was a, you know, the year of the stay at home mom. So she stayed at home. She didn't have a driver's license. She didn't, uh, to my knowledge ever work. She was always home. Okay. Right on. And, uh, what made you want to, uh, become a firefighter? Well, you know, I feel kind of bad about this, but I'm not going to lie. It wasn't because I wanted to help people wasn't because there was anybody in my family that knew anything about firefighting. Um, when I got out of high school, some of my friends got in the fire service and, you know, they tried to coax me into it and told me how great it was. And I just, that, that wasn't something I wanted to do because I really didn't like the, you know, the EMS part of it. Yeah. But I had, um, I don't know how many jobs I've had from high school to, you know, when I turned 26 and actually got in the fire service, but, um, somebody once told me that the, in the fire department, every day is a Friday. And I said, what do you mean by Fridays? Every day is a Friday. They said, well, you work one day and you're off too. So it's like, you know, don't you work just wait until Friday comes around. And I said, absolutely. So I saw a ad in, in a newspaper one time for a fire department. And I, I went and applied and, um, it was right when they started what in Florida they call standards, which was 240 hours. And they said, you got to, we'll hire you, but you got to get standards first. So I went to school and they said, okay, we'll hire you, but you got to get EMT first. So I went back to school, ended up getting a job um, at another d- department. But I will tell you when I, it didn't take me long when I was in the school that I really started enjoying the physicality of the job, the, you know, the um, teamwork approach. 
all the things I liked um, about playing sports and stuff was was what I was trained to do. And you know, I was lucky enough to get a job and and um, loved it. You know, and then then I understood how important and what the responsibilities that you you had to be a firefighter. So, you know, basically I wanted to be able to surf more. That's the reason I wanted to be a firefighter. Nice. Oh, well, actually, uh, kind of, kind of the same because when I was growing up, my best friend really wanted to be a fireman. He's an electrician now. And I, uh, really didn't really have any interest in that. It wasn't until, uh, nine 11 happened. Well, it kind of opened my eyes. Well, like, Oh, mm. this Maybe kind of interesting, and um, like I had a hard time uh, finding a job, uh, and it wasn't until I joined the military as a firefighter where uh, things kind of opened up for me. Uh, and I never liked uh, doing the medical side of things, and mm-hmm. uh, because I was a volunteer before I joined uh, the military as a firefighter, but. I could see now that I'm way better with uh, the medical side of things uh, than I was. And I think some of that has to do with uh, maturity too, for me anyways. Yes, exactly. And, you know, you, the, every, you know, aspect of the fire service and the military and police is important. You know, each, each step, each thing that you think is little is not little, it's big. It affects people's life. And, you know, EMS, of course, we do that more than anything. Um, the, and it's, it's bad to say, but I don't know who, what your audience is. Hopefully it's firefighters, military, police. Yeah. It's bad to say that the fire part is fun for us. And it's not fun because we like to see people's, you know, yeah. houses burned down or lose their, you know, the stuff that they've worked for their whole life. It's just you train for that. And it's kind of like, you know, in sports where you prepare and you prepare and you prepare for that big game. And then the fire is that big game. So I think you relish in, wow, we really did a good job. We kicked ass here and we did what we we're supposed to do. And, you know, we saved what we could save. So, you know, so that was the fun part. The MS part is, you know, that's the, where the rubber meets the road oh, yeah. in the fire service. That's, that's what we do more and more of. And, you know, I was an uh, emergency medical technician. I wasn't a paramedic. Um, and now, I think in the department that I that I retired from, I think now everybody has to be a paramedic within two years. You know that's how important it is. Wow! And I, and I can understand that. I can yeah. understand why that's important. Yeah, that's uh, not in uh, Canada yet. I know in uh, some departments it is, like Winnipeg. But I wouldn't be surprised if it's uh, everywhere soon too. That's crazy. Yeah, the, the, only, the only thing I can see, I mean, I, I know it's important. I don't think I, I hate to see that there's some kids out there that are would make really great firefighters and aren't going to have the chance if all organizations go that way. Yeah. That, you know, just might not be, you know, cut out for the 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 paramedic. Because that's, you know, that's that's I'm sure a lot of, you know, this, EMT was bad enough. Paramedic has to be really horrible. And everybody that I know that goes to paramedic school um, they're, they're like, it says the worst couple of years of their life, you know, all that studying and that you have to do. So, you know, I, I just hate that, you know, there's some kids out there that, you know, might not be able to be firefighters because they're not, um, cut out for the books and the medical terminology. Um, and, and, and so, but yeah. 
I'm my, sure it out. my uh worst problem is uh which is why I'm doing the podcast is I um freeze up uh, most of the time uh, doing uh, presentations in front of people and I used to be uh, kind of uh, petrified going on a medical call uh, like uh, I was just really shy but uh, right. I, I always knew my stuff yeah yeah you know it's that that's another reason you know that, look, look if it is if you hadn't been able to get in you'd never been able to to do this, you wouldn't have your podcast. There's a lot of things in your life that probably be a lot different. So, yeah. you know, luckily I, th- I don't think every fire department is like that. No. But, you know, I, I do understand that, you know, in our department, our paramedics, I felt bad for them because they were kind of stuck on the box, you know? So if everybody's a paramedic, that means everybody will get their chance to rotate to the engine or the truck um, or the different apparatus. So that'll be a good thing. Yeah, for sure. So how long did you serve for as a firefighter, Rick? I, I, I only did it for 35 years, Scott. Wow. And then I, I could, I, I decided that was enough. Oh, wow. No, I actually, we have a, th- we have a program called drop in Florida, which um, is a great program. You know, you can, you can get into the drop program and a certain amount of money goes into a pot. So um, it's great because they put that over on the side and that's a, it's a big, nice sum of money. But the stipulation is once you, once you work your five years, you have to retire, you have to leave. Um, okay. And, and you, a lot, when they started, a lot of my friends got involved with it and they left, like they went in the drop at 25 years and they only got to work 30. And, you know, it, it was sad because they were, still young and they still loved the job and they didn't want to go and they had to. Wow. So I waited, I had a, a, a different option. So I watched them. I watched, you know, each one of them was the same, even the ones that were saying, ah, this place is horrible. I can't just wait to get out of here. You know, blah, blah, blah. The day they had to leave, they cried. <laughs> they <laughs> went, this is the best, this is the best place I've ever worked. You guys are awesome. So I watched them and I said, you know, I'm not going to go into this drop program until I absolutely 100% have to. And it got to the point where I, you know, I, I need to do it for monetary reasons. Um, and I went, I'm glad I did because when I retired, I was like 61 years old. Yeah. And, you know, um, it's a young man's game. It's a young man's game. And you need to make room for, um, for some, some, some growth and some new kids to come in and, and take over positions. So, um, but it, you know, I enjoyed out of 35 years. I enjoyed 35 years of it. Nice. So, how has your, uh, how did your fitness evolve from when you first started as a firefighter uh, towards the end? Well, you know what? That's uh, that's a great question because when I first started uh, with fitness, you know, you you got to remember I'm 60. I'll be 63 the 29th of this month. I'm 62 years old. And I, so I'm old and I, I started working out back in the days where, um, the Atlas and the comic books, they had the little Atlas workouts. Yeah. So, you know, I, I begged my parents to buy me some concrete weights and, and I started working out in my bedroom and they got mad at me because I was clunking the weights around. Then of course the high school gym, we didn't have hardly anything back in those days. Um, and I worked out there and when I got old enough, um, to join, they had these things called health clubs and they weren't much. And then when I went into the 
Orange Avenue gym with all the you know the bodybuilders, the powerlifters, and the power builders. That's when I got the. That was in the '80s, so that was you know in the height of you know the testosterone, adrenaline. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Franco Colombo, Frank Zane, Lou Frigno, you know Sergio, all the monsters, you know, and I really. I, I was, I, I admired those people and I admired the guys at my gym. So bodybuilding and, and back then bodybuilding and powerlifting was kind of paralleled because in that gym you had to train heavy. And if you didn't train heavy, they would make fun of you, which is probably not the good thing to do, but that's, that was the culture. And, and I saw a lot of people leave that gym. Um, so you had to train heavy and that actually worked very well for me for uh, many years, except for I was having a lot of injuries and I didn't understand why. And then I realized I wasn't really, I was, cause I was athletic. I was able to perform really well in fires better than probably 99% of people, not to brag, but it was the truth. And people that work with me back then would verify that. But, you know, there were certain things that was weird. I would, you know, I would flame out real quick. Um, and, you know, I realized when I got older, I had to do more functional fitness, which, you know, is kind of a buzzword or, a, you know, a term that a lot of people use now. But if used correctly, really functional firefighting fitness is a great way to go for firefighters. I was too old to get in the CrossFit movement. Um, I would have tore something up. You know, I, I, you know, I don't have anything against CrossFit, but I've seen some, some, some pretty bad injuries with that. So I didn't do that, but, you know, I, I started doing more functional training and actually developed, um, functional firefighting training equipment later on in my career to actually help other firefighters. And I was in better shape, firefighting shape when I left the fire department, I think, than when anytime I was in there, because, when I trained a certain way, my VO2 max went up, um, my endurance was better, my strength was still there, uh, everything was working, everything was firing on, on all eight cylinders for me. So I guess, you know, that was an ev evolution for me. Now I've devolved because I don't have the access to all that cool equipment to use and I have to go back to Globo gyms. Yeah. And I'm back to doing bicep curls. My, my answer though would be a kettlebell. Amazing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Kettlebells are awesome. We had we got kettlebells at the house. Nice. Absolutely. Nice. So you uh, kind of had a really interesting point uh, when you were talking about the bodybuilders and powerlifters back then. They were kind of on a parallel line. And uh, you're exactly right. A lot of people don't know this, but Arnold Schwarzenegger, he, uh, during, uh, when he was winning Olympias, he was actually training mostly as a powerlifter. Right. Uh, and yeah, I, 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 I've read books about how he used to go into the woods and drink wine and train, you know, train legs till he just, you know, almost passed out, you know, with some amazing weights. Um, and that, you know, it's, I don't, I don't care who you are. It, it's, you know, that just makes you want to train hard. You know, oh, yeah. you respect, you respect strength and power like that. And the, that guy was, uh, you know, to this day, I think he still has one of the best physiques that I've ever seen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. 
Was there a call that you had during your time as a firefighter where uh, your fitness has played a role? You know, you know, Scott, I, I will be honest with you. I don't think there was a call that I had that my fitness didn't play a role. That's awesome. I mean, you know, f- firefighting is, is hard physical um, labor. You're pushing, you're pulling, you're dragging, you know, you're picking stuff up awkwardly. Um, there's, there's, there's just nothing that you're doing that's not – you know, physical. So I think, you know, that is what allowed me to work so long. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm happy to say that I never had a bad injury. <clears throat> I'm sorry, excuse me. I never had a bad injury. I've, um, I, I never, I barely ever called in sick in my 35 years career. I've had no bad illnesses. And that's all because of, you know, I've, I've maintained a certain fitness level my, my whole life. And, you know, people make fun of you and think, you know, they call you, you know, fitness, not, you know, stuff like that. And they always say, well, you, you can do all that and get hit by a hit by a bus tomorrow and dive. And what I tell them is, yeah, but I felt awesome until I got hit by the bus. Unlike a lot of you who feel crummy, you know, every day and you're miserable every day and you can't function and you're scared, you know, you get scared to go on calls because they knew they couldn't do certain things. So I guess my answer is, I don't think there was a call. I didn't go on that, you know, my, my, my fitness level didn't, you know, didn't help. So if that makes sense. No, no, it does for sure. So how did you become a wellness coordinator for your fire department? Well, I was a guy that was a pain in the ass, um, you know, respectively to, to the, in the fire department because, you know, I, I lived a certain lifestyle. I trained before I got on the fire department and then I amplified my training because I took it seriously because somebody told me one time, man, you got to be in good shape to be a firefighter because other people's lives are, are in your hands and your partner's life is in your hands. And, if something happens to your partner in a fire, you got to be able to get them out. And you know that I didn't just hear that. I believed it. So I felt like anybody that went in a fire with me, I wanted to make sure that I could pull them out. And I was hoping that they could, they could do the same thing um, for me. So I, I understood that wellness was important. I understood that we should have a wellness program so I would always ask, you know, for, for, uh, physical, we didn't have physical ability test. I started at, uh, it's called a district that we had like 12 small fire departments, I think 12 or 14. And then we consolidated into the County and my fire department, the chief picked mostly very physical people to, to work for his apartment, very athletic people. And everybody could, you know, pull their own weight and, it was, it was really great to go on a fire. I mean, we kicked the fire's ass day in and day out. And it was fun. Um, then you got to work with some other people from other departments that they didn't think that was important and not so much. So then the county didn't have a physical ability test. And I'm like, we have to have some kind of standards. And so I started there. We need a test. We need a test. We need fitness equipment. We need this. We need that. And I was put on... I don't know if you ever heard of the term committee to death, but they keep putting me on committees <laughs> and I keep coming up with stuff like, yeah, here's a program. Here's what I learned from this place. Here's what I learned from that place, you know? And they're like, okay, Rick, just keep, keep getting us information. And I realized they were just making me kind of ch- chase my tail. 
but I still didn't give up. And lo and behold, one day we had a fire chief that came to Orange County. His name is Chief Carl Plogger. And he came from Fairfax and Savannah and Fairfax Fire Department. Um, his wellness coordinator there was a guy named Pat Morrison. And Pat Morrison now is in charge of health and safety of the International Association of Firefighters. That's how you know knowledgeable Pat was. And Pat, you know, beat it into Chief Plogger's head how important it was. And Chief Plogger bought that. So when he came to Orange County, he said, um, what kind of wellness program do you guys have? And when they said they didn't have any, he thought they were crazy. So he said, well, that's one of the first things I want to do. Who, who's, who's the guy in Orange County to run the, this, this program? And both labor, um, you know, our local president and the administration, the, the big leaders of the administration, both throughout my name. So he came and visited me at the fire station one day, which scared the hell out of me because normally you don't get a visit from the fire chief unless you've done something really, really good or something really, really bad. And to be honest with you, Scott, I've never done anything that really, really good. So I'm like, oh, I'm in trouble. And uh, we chatted for a while and he said, hey, I'd like you to be the first wellness coordinator for Orange County Fire Rescue. What do you think? And, you know, of course, as a firefighter, I'm thinking, oh, this is overtime chances. I'll work my 24 hours. And then I'll work my days off and make a fat paycheck. And he said, no, you have to come to days. That's how important this project is to me. And um, I had to do some soul searching there, Scott, because I'd been in the fire service for 20 years by then. I was uh, a shift worker. I loved you know, my crews. I loved fighting fire. I loved everything about the fire service. But I hated everything about going to administration and days. Oh, for sure. But, yeah. But I knew I'd, I'd be hypocritical if, you know, if I'd have been, you know, banging my drum all this time and then had a chance because one thing, two things he said, um, he goes, I'm going to support you and I'm going to give you a budget. So when the fire chief says he's going to support you and he's going to give you money, um, you know, you, you have to take advantage of that, which I'm glad we did because, you know, it taught me a lot of stuff and I got to learn, uh, meet a lot of great people. And, um, you know, they, they gave me a chance to really develop a, a, a great comprehensive wellness program. So I appreciated that. Right on. So you kind of mentioned it uh, a little bit, but uh, let, let's go uh, more in depth. Uh, what exactly is a wellness program and uh, why should every fire department have one? Well, um, a, a wellness program, a comprehensive wellness program is, is a lot of things. And I, I honestly, I took the, um, have you ever heard of the International Association of Firefighters and Fire Chief um, WFI Wellness Fitness Initiative? Uh, I haven't read it yet, but I heard of it, yes. Okay. Well, it was kind of coincidental, but the union president at the time when I became the wellness program or right before I became the wellness program was a good friend of mine. And he brought me this book back from a, a, a conference he came from because, you know, he went to all the international conferences and he brought it back. He goes, Rick, here's a great wellness program. You should look at that. And at this time I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. I'll get to it when I get to it. Thanks, Mark. And I put it in my locker and then the fire chief mentioned it because of course, like I said, his wellness coordinator is Pat Morrison, who was a huge, you know, um, part of that wellness fitness initiative. Um, and in the wellness fitness initiative, it's got um, certain things that that 
that are like divided. You know, there's um, annual medical physicals, there's a fitness part, there's data collection, there's behavioral, um, and there's re- rehabilitation. So, um, you know, I kind of use that as my blueprint. And so my answer is a wellness program is all those different things. It's not just working out with weights. Um, it's making sure that all your men and women get checked annually for diseases. And anytime they find something, you know, they can take care of the person and make sure that they, they can continue to work. Um, and the fitness, of course, is going to allow you to work. And that gives you your, you know, your, your fitness equipment, your yearly um, <clears throat> fitness evaluations, your your can of physical ability testing. So that's all in that compartment. Then there's the behavioral, which is, of course, back when I did it, that was like, kind of like, okay, we'll get to that when we get to the behavioral and the data collection was the two things that were kind of at the end. Um, Now, of course, behavioral is huge. And we understand how important it is um, to make sure that our firefighters are taken care of in that aspect. So, you know, wellness program is all those things and more, um, and I could go on and on about the different, you know, the different things that to, to do for a wellness program. And I will tell you the reason to have a one, there's two, two reasons to have wellness programs in my, in my opinion. <clears throat> and, and the good thing is it covers, you know, the, the, the bean counters and it covers us for the bean counters. You're going to save money in a short amount of time. Um, we saved the organization over $3 million. Um, and, you know, workman's comp insurance claims and out of, um, out of work time when people got injured or sick and they came back when they were, we had a fitter workforce, they came back to work a lot quicker after an injury. So we saved $3 million. So that's good for the bean counters. For us, it's simple. It's what we do. We take care of each other. And, you know, that's one of the best things you can do to take care of your firefighters and save their lives. When I first started the wellness program, we were medically separating a lot of people for cardiac diseases. And I'm proud to say that after we started our wellness program and it got going, we didn't have to separate one person for a cardiac um, event. So, you know, that's, that would be the main reason saving firefighters' lives. And that's what uh, wellness programs do. It makes their lives better and allows them to work a long time like I did and retire and move to the beach. And that's, you know, or mountains or wherever you want to move to because you're putting your life on the line for everybody else. Okay. The fire department needs to take care of you by giving you a wellness program. And they're not that expensive. If it's done right. Exactly. And uh, you should be able to enjoy your, your retirement too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Everybody should. Yeah. So I actually remember uh, cardiac issues would be uh, a huge issue for firefighters. And now it's, kind of like uh, cancer is almost taking over. Um, the, uh, why is that exactly? Is it because uh, of the materials in uh, homes now or what? Yeah, I, I, it is. It is, Scott. It's, you know, it, the, the materials in everything, the sofa I'm sitting on right now, you know, it's all fire retardant stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, the old days it was simple lumber, and, you know, it was bricks and sticks is what we call them. Now it's a far more toxic soup and toxic environment. And, you know, you can't name 
you know, uh, half the stuff that's in, in the stuff that's burning. So if you're not very careful and like when I started, you know, we started, and of course we were using air packs back in the early eighties. Um, but we weren't using them like we should have been using them, but we didn't know we would use them for a structure fire. And as soon as, you know, we, the fire was out, we'd throw those damn things off cause they were heavy and cumbersome and we'd be in overhauling and all those, you know, all that stuff was just coming right into our body. Um, we would, you know, we'd be dirty for a long time because you go from call to call and you wouldn't think about it. You, you go back, you maybe wash your hands a little bit, but you'd be shoving food in your mouth. Um, you take a shower, but you know, you were still getting in the same dirty bunker gear. And, you know, so it, it just kind of, you know, it kind of blindsided us. We should have seen it coming because we're a smart group of people. Um, but we didn't. We didn't see it coming, and now we're we're playing catch up a lot. But the good thing is, um, my organization—I know tons of organizations—are doing everything in their power to prevent their firefighters from getting cancer because that's an ugly, nasty disease. Um, to watch it rob you know your friends, your brothers, your sisters um, of, of of not only their life but how they live their life. Because I don't know if you've ever seen anybody with cancer, but oh, yeah. it, um, it usually is a, a long and, and you know horrible journey for them yeah. and for their families. Yeah, my uh, aunt actually had it, and uh, she died of it. She had uh, cancer everywhere and in her bones too. And I mm. basically opened up a personal training studio in her honor because uh, I got a really yeah. Yeah, so that's awesome. You know, uh, you know, a lot of good things are coming out of bad things, just like you said, and, that, and that's probably the only good thing about um, cancer. And you know, now you've, you know, we're we're aware, yeah. and it's 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 worse now that we're aware, and there's people still not wanting to clean their gear or not wanting to wash their helmet. You know, yeah. used to be a badge of honor. We'd walk around with dirty gear. Now I used to tell my guys because we had stations that were very, very busy that, you know, ran calls every hour on the hour. And we had outlaying stations that hardly ever got a call. I said, I respect a supervisor a lot more from a station like 50, which runs tons of calls that has clean gear than somebody from 29 who doesn't run many calls and is walking around with dirty gear because they got their gear dirtied up in training. I said, that's just ignorant in the, you know, the 2000s now to be doing that. So Exactly. So uh, let's kind of get into that. Uh, what are the systems in place to kind of uh, help that? Because when I was a firefighter, all we did was uh, after a big uh, fire, we, we washed our gear and that's basically it. But now I see um, guys coming out of a fire, they get uh, hosed down kind of like uh, you're in a hazmat scene, which technically you are, and then uh, you wipe your face and all that stuff. So am I right? Or? Oh, you're absolutely right. And, you know, that's a, you brought up a, a, an excellent point. That's a great analogy that, you know, every fire is a, is a hazmat scene because of the stuff we talked about. So, yeah, um, and, and departments are struggling with this because take, for example, where you're at. Uh, and, and I know it gets very, very cold up in Canada, although I've never been. I've 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 seen pictures of snow um, and it looks bad and cold. But imagine that. So 
when you come out of a fire, the last thing you want to do is get somebody to wet your gear up, especially if you don't have a second set of gear to jump into. So although we know there's, we should be doing this, sometimes it's just kind of hard to do that. You know, and I, and I will tell you, when we started talking, right before I left uh, Orange County Fire Rescue, I was a safety and wellness chief, and we were doing a safety stand down. And every safety stand down, I would say, I want to do something tangible for the men and women and give them something. For instance, sometimes I would give them like earplugs. So when they started the saws, you know, they would save their ears so they could say, oh, yeah. Because a lot of times we do training and people are going, ah, we're just going through the motions. This is stupid. So I wanted to get them something. So right before I left, we there was a guy named Keith Tyson and he's going around talking about cancer and there's 11 things you should do. And the third thing you should do on the, the list was to use a, a baby wipe or a wet nap after every fire to wipe yourself off, get the soot off. Makes sense. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm buying. I get this big meeting with all my captains to tell them, you know, I'm going to save the world and I'm going to buy every, every unit baby wipes and they're going to wipe off after every fire. And you guys are going to make sure and, one of my captains were on the phone. And of course, you know, being an old salty chief, I said, Hey, you want to share what's so important on your phone? He was like, sure do chief. I just looked up baby wipes. They got formaldehyde in them. Isn't that a carcinogen? <laughs> like, Oh my goodness. Like, oh, if a chief gives you something with carcinogens in it, the rumor would be, Oh, chief secrets is trying to kill us before he leaves the fire department. He's trying to give us cancer. So, you know, I found these, these other wipes. Um, and that started it. That started it, um, and there, there's a great company, and it's all natural, and and I, I knew it worked because right before I left, I got a call from the union president, and um, normally that's not good when you're a chief, and I said, what do I do now? And they said, well, the guys at 65 are mad because you quit getting them action wipes. That was the name of the wipes that we purchased. Okay. And I said, oh, okay. I said, well... I will go down to supply and get them some or they could have simply just checked the mark on their requisition form like the rest of their supplies and got them because they didn't even realize that, you know, we had cases of them. We bought, once we started the, the, the fire chief got on board, he said, buy, buy, buy them for everybody. So, you know, but I knew when they complained for not having them instead of having to use them, we were on the path, but, once I, when I was leaving, I know our fire chief said, you know, I want to start being more um, progressive with this and I don't want any of my firefighters ever have cancer. So we're going to start doing wet decon. We're going to get a second set of gear. We're going to get, you know, the exhaust systems and they're doing all that in, in my fire department. I'm very proud of them because that's a lot of money. Um, but the chief is, is, is totally um, on board about, you know, saving firefighters life. So yeah, there's wet decon, there's dark, dry decon. You know, you should you should come into a zone when you got your air pack on. You can, you know, get somebody to brush you off, you know, with a brush. Then you can start, you know, getting, you know, like a wet and then have them brush you off, you know, with soap and water. And then once you get all brushed off, you know, that's, you doff your gear. And then that's when you take your action wipes or whatever wipe you choose to use. Um, and you wipe your face, your neck, everywhere you can to get all that soot off. And then you take that gear, you bag it, you put it in a compartment other than your compartment, put your second set of gear on, go back to the station, 
clean everything and then take a shower immediately and put a brand new uniform on. Oh. So that makes yeah. sense. Very interesting and cool. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I also heard uh, some guys actually have a, a sauna in the in the fire hall and they just sweat the toxins out. <laughs> yeah, I've heard of that. And I've heard there's actually some of them have bicycles in them. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I, I'm not real familiar with those. Of course, there's, um, I know I've read a little uh, studies about how that's not the right thing to do. So I, that's, I, I'm not very well versed on, to be honest with you, but um, it's good that people are looking for ways and, and organizations are willing to put some, some capital into buying this stuff. Um, but I know they're doing all kinds of research now. Every day there's different research out there trying to figure out how to save firefighters life. They're, they're actually changing the way, way the gears being made. Um, so, you know, kudos, kudos to everybody that's doing that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, that's awesome. To uh, switch gears a little bit, um, you, you want to hear how cold it gets up here. <laughs> uh, this actually uh, reminded me, um, my very first uh, call as a military firefighter on Cold Lake, um, we had this uh, structural fire. It was uh, 25 minutes away from the base. So it's where all the CF-18s dropped dead bombs and all that stuff. Oh. And, uh, it was minus uh, 38 degrees out. So, oh, my God. Yeah. So it, it gets better. So uh, we get there. And uh, we can't pump water out because the fire pump is frozen solid. <laughs> our our uh, pump operator, he had to take a blowtorch to it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. I think, Scott, Scott, I think I'd have to find a different uh, occupation there. Oh, oh it, it was crazy cause, uh, uh, because of the expiration in my mask, it was uh, freezing, so I, I couldn't even <laughs> see uh, after a good 10, 15 minutes. So I was basically uh, using my uh, hearing, and, oh, it was just bad. <laughs> That's horrible. I, if it's, it's below 65 degrees here, I'm freezing. So <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I, don't, I don't think that, I could do that. That was the only time where uh, I was glad to go – go back into the file because I was warm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. Makes yeah. sense. Yeah, exactly. So uh, when you became um, a wellness coordinator, is uh, that when you uh, got the idea to uh, um, make the file sled? Yeah, actually, it was, you know, that, what is that saying? You know, um, invention is mother, mother and says something like that. I don't remember how it goes, but, um, we, we, I was put in charge of, uh, incumbent physical ability test. Um, and that is something that, you know, nobody ever wants to be in charge of in a fire department because basically we're going from having no entry level test to making all of our employees go through this incumbent physical ability test which was a good test. It was all, it wasn't like run, you know, two and a half miles or, you know, got to do a certain amount of pull-ups or a certain amount of push-ups or any of that stuff. They were all firefighting tasks. For instance, um, we started out with like a crawl and then you came out of the crawl and you did a mannequin drag and then you had to open a hydrant 
Um, you had to take a ladder off. You had to pull a charge into three-quarter hose line. We use this thing called a Molitor machine to simulate um, breaching the ceiling. And um, we went up some stairs with a high-rise pack. So, you know, it was, a good, it was just – it was a good test. Um, but a lot – we we I found out that a lot of not a lot I shouldn't say a lot a few people men and women could not pass this physical ability test and as as a wellness coordinator not only did I have to facilitate it I had to offer assistance to make these people successful because we didn't want the chief had an idea of starting it out with it's just going to kind of be like we're going to have them go through it they'll be no really failing, although the, 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 you know, they should be done in 10 minutes. So basically, you know, if anybody was less than 10 minutes, it was failing, or if they couldn't finish, it was failing. And um, I was to write them a program to make them successful. So, so for instance, they couldn't have a small, small male who's in great shape, but they can't get the inch and three quarter moving. Um, so I would write him a program for his legs. You know, for instance, I'd say, okay, Let's do your legs. Uh, we'll start with your legs. We'll do leg curls, leg extension, leg presses. Um, if your knees are good enough, we'll start with some squats, and then we'll go to lunges. And they just – some of these guys, of course, were old lieutenants, and they just look at me and they go, I've never done any of that crap on a fire scene, and I ain't doing it now. Mm-hmm. I just want to pass that stupid test because my people don't think I'm a fireman now because I can't pass the test. Yeah. So I'm like, man, you know, I scratched my head or I'd have somebody that couldn't do the monitor because the monitor, you couldn't change the weight. So if you couldn't push it up and pull it down, you couldn't push it up or pull it down. If you can't pull an inch and three quarter, you can't change the weight on an inch and three quarter line. It is what it is. Yeah. Um, and we had a mannequin that weighed, I think, 165, 185. might have been 185 back then. I know we've gone down to 165. And they, you know, they couldn't pull that. So I went to this... Uh, this, this gentleman, David Eaves, who had been helping me with my well, you know, giving me some great sage advice. This guy knew all kinds of stuff about fitness equipment. It, you know, it was fun to listen to. He knew who invented it, how, who sold it, all this stuff. So he was, you know, he was helping me um, build my wellness program by giving, giving me good advice for fitness equipment. Some of the stuff I thought I was going to do, he'd say, ah, Rick, I wouldn't do that. And then I did it anyway. And then I found out, darn, this guy knows what he's talking about. I started listening to him. So I called him up. I said, David, I need, I need some equipment, you know, that simulates this, this, and this. And he's like, yeah, there's nothing else. There's nothing out there like that. And so basically we sat down and on a napkin drew out some stuff and came up with the first fire sled. And it didn't take long to see how quickly these people were using this stuff. Cause I could use, you know, just like all my bodybuilding or powerlifting you know, programs of starting with, you know, starting out easy and teaching technique and then overloading and then drop setting until when they finally got to the inch and three quarter line to pull it, they thought I had a calf engine. They thought it was full of foam. Hmm. They're like, quit screwing with me, man. I go, no, that's it. And they go, I, just from using that piece of equipment, I can do this now. And I go, yeah, it's a, and yet, to me, it was a simple simple technique, but there was just nothing out there that provided um, something where I could simulate um, advancing charge hose line, breaching the ceiling, pulling the victim out. Cause that's the first fire sled. That's the three components it could do. 
So, yeah. So, and it started there. And then we, of course, over time came up with, you know, the Punisher horizontal forceful entry. And we came up with the ladder mill, which simulates, you know, um, it's kind of never any ladder. It's a horrible piece of equipment. It's like torture. <laughs> I actually saw a picture of that. And that reminds me of a heavy hood of a piece of exercise equipment called the Jacob's Ladder. Yeah, I I have Scott and and I I don't ever put anybody's equipment down but yeah. in the fire service there's there's three injuries that I dealt with nonstop um when I was a safety and wellness chief and when I was a wellness coordinator I'm trying to rehab these people back into work and they were back shoulders and knees yeah and when I when I watched the 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 back you know rounding yeah. it was kind of like a bear crawl and people would round their back um, climbing, I'm like, you know what? That looks like because somebody, people, when when I first became the wellness coordinator, and I was buying. My fire chief gave me money to buy fitness equipment. You know, of course, everybody came at me. Hey, we need, we need this, we need this, we need this, we need this. So I would look at all the stuff, and I looked at the Jacob's ladder, and I said, you know what? I don't, I can't even allow that in my fire department because I don't want to cause a back injury when I'm trying to prevent back injuries. Um, so. Yeah, I, I think it's probably a great piece of equipment. I just, um, I think it's one of the pieces of equipment you have to have a trainer to teach your men and women how to do it so they don't get injury. It's the best way I can put it without, you know, Jacob's Ladders guys hating me. No, uh, the, I just uh, never heard that before. That's a very interesting take. I uh, I had, uh, I, I owned it. Uh, I had it at my studio, but uh, I've never had uh any uh, issues with it on oh, my clients. You're a good trainer, Scott. Oh, thank you. Come on. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> uh, but it's actually at a 75 degree angle and uh, uh, all my clients hated it because it was a never ending ladder, but uh, <laughs> it's, it was good for the knees and the lower back too. But no, right. really interesting. Um, how long has uh, the fire sled uh, been out in market for the first one we started, I think back in 2003, we got our patent for that on 2004 and it went gangbusters for a while. Um, then it started becoming, uh, a conflict of interest. So I had to, I had to kind of set that, you know, aside and then, you know, I, then I got promoted to safety captain and I had to concentrate on that. And then I got promoted to a battalion chief out in the field. And each time I get a position, I try to do the best I can and put everything I can into it till I feel comfortable with it. Um, and um, so not until we had to fast forward back when I retired, right before I retired, I told my partner and he was really busy, busy because he sells, um, he sells commercial fitness equipment. He sets up these huge, you know, workout rooms and stuff. And, and he was really busy at the time, but I called him. I said, David, I'm getting ready to retire. And, um, um, I, I, I still want to work and I still want to be involved in the, the community. Um, I don't ever want to work for a fire department again, but I still want to be involved in the community. And I said, can we start, you know, let's start. And he's like, man, this is perfect timing. I got some downtime. And then, we we sat down and we re-engineered the fire sled completely. I told him my idea about the Punisher. So, you know, we made some prototypes. 
and started that. And uh, did you see the Punisher? Uh, yes, it's I a horiz- Okay, so it's a it's a horizontal forceful entry prop um, because I again you know looking at this the the Kaiser sled although in the beginning when we used to bend over and we used to you know because I I came from an era where you actually went on roofs. And you, you know, you would actually take an axe up there to cut a hole in a piece of wood. But, you know, we're to the era now where usually we're not allowed to go on roofs if it's a lightweight construction. Most fire departments or a lot of fire, I shouldn't say most, a lot. And then we never hit anything between our legs to force, you know. So I, I always look at this when I, when I, that was one of my, I don't know if it was a gift or a curse. But I would look at stuff and I would go, eh, that doesn't make sense to me. I'll give you a perfect example, if you got time. Yeah. When I began, we had one um, tailboard fire engine. And they were training me to ride on this tailboard fire engine. So I go, <clears throat> so they tell me, they explain to me, okay, you get here, you hold on to this, you use this you know, strap to strap in. If a car is going to run into the back of it, jump high as you can so they don't cut your legs off. And, you know, if you want it to stop, you push um, twice. And if you want it to go, you push once. And I go, of course, the captain was talking. I said, excuse me, sir. I said, if I'm falling off, I could probably push it once, but I doubt I could push it twice. Don't you think it would be better? (laughs) Well, needless to say, I washed and waxed the fire engine myself. I mowed the lawn myself. (laughs) I waxed. I stripped and waxed all the floors by myself, which basically, you know, back in the old days, you know, they didn't want change, you know? Um, So it was, it was kind of stifled and stymied. And I said, right. I said, then I said, one day I'll stay here long enough to one day I'll be able to voice my ideas and make some positive change. And, you know, um, and, and, and that's what I try to do. So like I say, when I look at something and it doesn't seem like a lot of people just keep doing it. Now, yeah. if I go, when I go and I do demos for the fire set puncture training system with my team, I always ask, and I'll see like a, the Kaiser sled, which is a great piece of equipment. I'm not saying anything bad about it. And if you're in the combat challenge, you have to have it because that's how you train. Yeah. But I'll ask people, why do you guys have that? And they'll say, uh, for testing or training. I said, okay, well, what does it simulate? Most of the news firefighter, Scott, does not understand that uh, originally it simulated chopping a hole on a roof, you know, um, they just know they've told to do it. So they do it, which yeah. is smart because they don't want to wax fire engines like I did. I don't know how many times I never learned my lesson with that because I'd always ask, well, you know, wouldn't it be better to do it this way? Oh, you want to change the fire service. Okay. So, you know, but that's kind of what I, that's why I've, you know, tried to come up with some functional fitness equipment that, you know, prevents injuries and will help people do their job better and make sense to me. Now, somebody else might look at it and go, that doesn't make any sense to me. We don't do it that way. And that's fine. Then they should change it whatever way they want to do that. Yeah, no, for sure. And uh, that Kaiser piece that you mentioned, though, it's uh, very expensive just for uh, one task. And yours, you got like uh, CO4 that you could do. I own- yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, yeah, the, the, the Punisher is only one thing. That's, yeah. that's forceful entry. Um, the, the fire sled is, is advancing charge hose line. We've got a ladder prop on there. 
which is about 62 pounds. So it's close to about a 74 pound, um, 24 foot extension ladder. Also, you, we use that for pushing. If you want to simulate pushing, like kind of like the, uh, you might have one at your, like a prowler. Yeah. 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 One of those. Okay. So it's the same thing. And then we have a, a step that you, we, you can practice doing step ups on like your climbing stairs or more importantly, when we do, um, injury prevention classes, we teach people how to decelerate off from the high engine because what we found with knee injuries is in, in, you know, James of course could be, uh, an example, great shape. He's getting a little older. You know, we used to jump off those engines with, you know, that extra 60 pounds of gear on. And after a while that, that play that's hell on your knees. So we teach people how to decelerate getting off the engine off that one step up. Then we have, I think what's one of the most realistic ceiling breach um, props with the way our ceiling breach works. And then we have a um, victim drag and a stretcher, a stretcher um, lift and load. So that's just, that's all in on the fire sled. Yeah. And that's uh, more bang for your buck uh, for sure. Cause uh, I own uh, Kaiser uh, functional trainer and let me tell you that thing is expensive. So I can't, yeah, but those are awesome. Oh, those yeah. are awesome. Cause we went to, um, I was I was one of the founders of the Florida Firefighter um, Collaborative Fitness Collaborative, okay. and one of the tr- trainings we went to was called Exos, and it's up in the Panhandle oh, of Florida. Really? Oh, I'm so yeah. jealous! I'm so jealous. <laughs> it was so awesome, oh. but um, they they had all that Kaiser um, yeah. equipment, and that's top of the line, man. That's you know, kudos for you for having that because that's some that's some good you know good stuff that's some oh, really yeah. good stuff and is is what a great place because they were training up there they were training a lot of wounded warriors yeah um, which i thought i saw this one guy and they were yelling at him because he was he was toting around a hundred pound dumbbell like it was nothing this guy was six foot seven he's monstrous yeah. and they told him we told you not to pick that up roll it he goes well it's harder to roll than it is for me to pick it up yeah. And they said, put it down. So I'm like, I go, what sport does that guy play? Like basketball or football? And he goes, he kills people. Uh, <laughs> he, he, he's a wounded warrior. We're, we're rehabbing him to go back, you know, and, and kill oh, more people. And I'm like, oh, man. Wow. You know? he, said, he said he did play basketball a little bit, but he just stayed under the rim and just annihilated people. He was wow. just the enforcer. Wow. But, you know, so – yeah, it was it was uh, an awesome experience, an awesome experience, but great equipment. Yeah, it's really funny that you uh, mentioned Exos, uh, actually, because on our honeymoon, when uh, we were coming back from uh, Costa Rica, we had a layover in Arizona, and uh, my wife really didn't want to, but uh, I really wanted it. <laughs> Jim, uh, <laughs> she's amazing. Way to, way to start out there, Scott. <laughs> yeah. Still married? Yeah, we're still married. Well, and three kids good for you, then. <laughs> good for you. Yeah, so, well, I actually went to the. I actually went to the one in um, in Arizona too because back when I was a wellness coordinator, Phoenix Fire Department put on the, some of the best wellness um, symposiums known to man. They were awesome. And one of the tours where they would take you to, and it wasn't called Exos back then. It was called, called performance. 
Yes, athlete's performance. And Mark, uh, what's his name? Mark Bookstein. It's a weird last name. Yeah. He started the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Oh, that's awesome. So why do you think fitness should be important for the first responder, not just uh, firefighters, but police or anybody behind the uh, front lines? I'll be honest with you, Scott. I think, I think fitness is, is important for every, every walk, human being that walks the earth. Um, you know, my family, all my family understands the importance of fitness. And, you know, if you're tasked with taking care of other people's families, you should understand the importance of being, you know, we use the term fit for duty, fit for fire, fit for whatever. But, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a big responsibility. You know, you you don't, you know, and, and James has a great uh, slogan and Jim's the guy Spirit has a great slogan. And I don't remember exactly how they go. Would you want you rescuing you or something like that? But basically, it's it's all all good stuff and all true stuff. You know, you 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 got a lot of responsibility. You know, so you should take it seriously, or or get into a different um, get into a different occupation where you're being taken care of by somebody. Yes, it's like having a, a school teacher that you know doesn't know how to read. That doesn't make sense. You know, if you're not fit enough to take care of the people you're running on, you're in the wrong profession. Or if you don't take it serious enough to get some, some help from your organization or from somebody, you know, like a trainer like you yeah. or anybody else, I, I just, you know, I, it just, it just blows my mind. You know, I don't understand it. In the last five years, what new belief, behavior or habit has most improved your life? In the last five years, well, that's a tough one, Scott. Say that again. Uh, what new belief, uh, behavior, or habit has most improved your life? I think um, and this has been in the last couple of years since I've retired. To be calmer and kinder, um, and to take it easy and enjoy and, and enjoy things, and not be so stressed out about stuff. And uh, it's just amazing, you know. Once you get out of an occupation that is so stressful to get into a lifestyle that is not stressful, how much better you sleep and how much, I mean, I thought I felt good before, but I realize now I feel much, much better. So um, I would just say learning how to relax because I never knew how to relax before. Yeah. That's, uh, I, that's my uh, biggest thing. Uh, I know how to relax. I probably relax too much. <laughs> <laughs> well, even when I thought I was relaxing, I realized I, I wasn't relaxing because, um, and I still have the same problem because I have this, this business, fire stud functional training business, where if I'm even at the beach, sometimes I'll be talking to my wife about, Hey, you know, what kind of marketing do you think we should do? We're getting ready to, 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 do this brand new physical ability test for fire departments. I'm, I'm working with injury prevention with a, a university now for, and she's like, can you just look at the ocean and then enjoy being at the ocean? <laughs> oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah, I got it. I got it. But you know, when I, when I was, when I was working for the fire department, I had a, a, a course, a 
county phone. And I took that phone everywhere I went on vacation on everything. So even when I thought I was on vacation, I never was on vacation. So it's very important, you know, not just to you, but to, to your family to, you know, just to get away and enjoy, you know, enjoy life. Cause life is awesome. Oh, exactly. I uh, used to be so jacked up and worried about everything when I was in the military. And it's funny because now I'm the exact opposite. Nothing really <laughs> my heart rate. <laughs> <laughs> you will live longer that way. I'm sure of it. Uh, thanks. Hopefully I do. Uh, if you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it say, Rick? Ah, come on. <laughs> um, it'd say buy fire sleds. Awesome. I like that. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Uh, and um, my last question here, what would you say um, to the, the first responder that wants to lose weight or get in shape, but they don't know how to go about doing it and they have a poor support system at home, how would you help them? Well, you know, I, I was, um, it's funny cause I was a personal trainer before they called them personal trainers back in the eighties. Um, that gym uh, that I talked about orange Avenue gym spawned like tons, you know, because that was kind of the Mecca and then other global gyms started popping up. Um, so I was a personal trainer for a very long time and I don't think, I don't think you can, you can go wrong by getting a really good personal trainer. And I'm talking about a good one, not just any personal trainer, somebody that really cared about you yeah. and took care of you. Um, because I didn't understand, to be honest with you, I didn't like being a personal trainer. How do you like it, Scott? I, I actually love it. And, uh, I know a lot of people don't like doing it, but no, I, I actually, it's hard. Yeah. So, you know, people don't understand what a hard job that is because <laughs> like some of the other jobs we talked about, if you take that job seriously, that's a huge responsibility. People are looking to you to change their life. Yep. How much bigger does that get? You could save somebody's life. Yeah. That's huge. Or you could, you could change somebody's life for the positive. That's huge too. Um, I would tell because I didn't want to do it. You know, I'd get all these clients and I'm like, hey, you know what? There's back then I would say books. There's books you could go to like, you know, bookstore and they talk about how to lose weight and stuff like that. And they're like, no, we need somebody to hold us accountable. Yeah. Somebody there. And if we pay them, we know that we're going to do it. So I would say, you know, find a really good personal trainer and you know, that, that would be the, my, my suggestion. That's what I tell people when they ask, you know, of course, if you, if you look like you're in pretty good shape and, and, and you know, you're approached, you know, I, I, I was getting a shot the other day at the Walgreens and the girl goes, Hey, I want to look like that. Um, Sierra, you know who Sierra is? And I'm like, sure I do. I don't know who that is, <laughs> but she, she started while she's giving me a shot telling me, you know, well, I, I want to lose weight. I want a sprinter's body and I want this and that. Um, so people out there are, are looking for help. And, and, and I, I think a personal trainer would be the best way to go. I mean, I know there's apps and stuff, but I'm too old for that, Scott. I don't know how those work. 
Yeah, that's like, really funny that you mentioned that because I'm uh, trying to push uh, a lot of people into my online coaching because I really think it's a win-win situation for uh, everybody involved. It's a lot cheaper mm-hmm. uh, for the client. And uh, I could uh, make more too because um, if I'm training somebody, uh, my uh, I don't have a lot of time. But if I'm uh, just uh, creating programs and nutrition programs and all that all online, then uh, the sky's basically uh, the limit for me, right? Absolutely. Well, you know, it's it's funny that you say that. Um, a lot of my friends that you know were personal trainers for, and that was their, you know, personal training for me was just a side time gig because, yeah. you know, I had the fire service. So it was just another part-time job I had, but some of my friends from that gym, that's how they supported their self and their family. And what I, re- what I realized, because I know that, you know, when I would book my clients, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, you only work with them for, you know, probably you got to book them at least an hour block. And you may not be working with them for that whole hour, but you, you're taking up an hour with, you know, chit chat or movements or stuff like that. So you're, you're taking an hour. So unless you're there and some of them were there all day and into the night, you're very limited to the amount of money that you, you know, you can only make so much money. You can only train so many people. And then they started opening their own fitness facilities and hiring trainers. In fact, one of my good friends did that and I, I worked for him for a while and I saw what he was going through and, you know, you can only make so much, Oh, exactly. but with what you're talking about, I think, you know, the sky's the limit. Yeah. Sky's the limit for stuff like that. So yeah, and, yeah I think that's a, I think that's a great idea. Yeah. And, uh, even when, um, I had my studio though, I had, uh, staff and I had to deal with staff issues on top of all that. And yeah, it was just awesome. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 you know, it's, that's, that, that's hard. Most of the guys that I know that had their own studios ended up, you know, um, having to give them, give them up and then go to work in, uh, at another studio or, or work for a gym. And you know, the, most of the gyms, I don't think they pay their trainers very much money. I mean, no, um, I, uh, I had a pretty, uh, good, uh, go though. Um, my packages, uh, ranged anywhere from $400 to $800 a month for personal training, depending on Mm. if they come in once or uh, twice or three times a week. And I I told my employees, if they sold a package, they would get 10% of that package on top of the pay for the first month. And I, I thought that really uh, lit a fire under the asses if they were uh, <laughs> Yes. It should motivate them, that's for sure. Yeah, exactly. For sure. So this is uh, the last part of the podcast. This is called No Bull. <laughs> so these are oh, rapid, yeah, rapid fire questions. Okay, let's go. Awesome. Best purchase under $100. Say that again, I'm sorry. Uh, best purchase under one hundred dollars. Best purchase under one hundred dollars. Oh man, since I never buy anything, I have no clue. Pass, pass. I got to pass on that one. 
favorite exercise? Wait, no, I got it. I got oh, okay. prices under one hundred dollars. Bands, I love bands. Nice. Like, exercise bands. I can do a, a ton of stuff with those things. Okay. So I'll go with bands. Okay, awesome. Now, uh, favorite exercise? My favorite exercise is pull-ups. No doubt, I love pull-ups. It's a sign, I think, of of strength to be able to pull your body. You know, and I'm not talking about kipping. I'm talking about dead hang pull-ups. Yeah. yeah, I don't want to make fun of CrossFit or anything, but every time I no, walk, that, I'm, pull up I'm not making fun of them. Yeah, <laughs> I just laugh and shake my head. But <laughs> um, what's your favorite piece of exercise equipment? My favorite piece of exercise equipment um, would probably be a pull-up bar. Nice, nice. Now, um, what uh, kind of music do you listen to? I, I, I listen to uh, anything from um, smooth jazz to um, some rap music. So, oh, really? You know, yeah, I, I and I like the old time rap music. You know, nice. Um, so, and my son's in music, and he's unfortunately into rap music. Okay. So he's, he's a music producer, so he. He produces a lot of crazy stuff. Oh, awesome. Uh, I was actually going to put you in the Jimmy Buffett category. I love Jimmy Buffett. Love Thanks. Jimmy Buffett. And that, that's on my, um, when I go outside and grill, I always put the Jimmy Buffett on my Bluetooth. And um, of course, I'm drinking a, a nice cold beer nice. while I'm grilling nice. my chicken. So, nice. um, What are your top three favorite books? I'm sorry, say that again. Top three favorite books. Favorite books? I just read a, a book, and I can't – I'll get the name wrong, but I loved it. And the reason I loved it, it was about this um, local legend, um, Joe Kittinger, and he's the one that was the first one to jump out of a um, hot air balloon, like in space. Okay. It's like, come get me or something like that. And what was cool was – I moved to somewhere on the beach and I'm surrounded by pilots. A guy across the street from me is a uh, retired fighter pilot and he just retired from Delta. And the guy category from me, he was a fighter pilot and he retired from Delta. Now he's flying private jets. But we were talking one day and he was telling me that his old squadron was coming. And because um, I invited him to a little party, he said, I can't, my old squadron's coming and my commander, um, Joe Kittinger, is going to be there. And I'm like, Joe Kittinger? I was like a little kid. Um, and he goes, yeah. So he brought me over since I liked Joe Kittinger or, you know, he brought me over a signed copy um, of Joe Kittinger's book. So it was just amazing because he was, you know, he was raised in Florida, Joe Kittinger. And then it talked about, which I had no idea about the military, the Air Force, how it started and all the, you know, all the trouble he got into um, trying to start that space program. So, you know, I can't, I can't, just can't. I can't remember the name exactly, but it's there's good. Come, come up here and get me or something like that. And then I just read a book that was suggested actually off of, um, uh, James's podcast called the, the brain always wins. Um, that's, that's a pretty good book. Awesome. Um, the guy that you mentioned, uh, that jumped from space, was he, uh, like, uh, uh, there was a guy that did it recently, uh, two or three years ago. Uh, was he the guy that did it before him? Or 
Yes, he was like the pioneer. I mean, I he that. and he, he he may still hold the record. Um, I, I'm not sure, but what was really you know what was cool about him he he actually had a malfunction with his glove. Yeah. And he he knew if he'd have said anything about that, they would have scrubbed the mission. And back then they wouldn't have given him any money to go back, you know, because it cost a, a ton of money to get that gondola up that high um, yeah. and 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 do what they did to it. So he jumped, even though he knew he wow. had an issue and said he couldn't use his hand to pull the rip cord like he needed to, yeah. um, you know, because his hand froze because he was up in, you know, he's up in outer space. It was crazy. It was crazy. You know, he got interesting. He got captured in uh, in the war and was, you know, in a, in a, in a war camp for a long, long time and finally got released. So it's a, you know, if you, if you like that kind of stuff, oh, it was yeah. a really, really interesting book. I'll, I'll definitely uh, read that for sure. Cause uh, I was watching that, uh, that thing a few years ago and I think that uh, he was actually talking to the guy as he was uh, going up there in space, getting ready to jump. It was pretty neat. Yeah. 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 Yep. Isn't it incredible? Yeah. It's incredible. It is. So uh, what's your favorite song? My favorite song is probably Hotel California. The I love Eagles. that song. The Eagles. The yeah. Eagles, yep. And I, I actually saw the Eagles and Jimmy Buffett um, in a concert back when I was a kid. So, oh, oh I wasn't a kid. I was an adult, but a kid compared to now. <laughs> oh, you're still a kid. Who are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding myself anymore. Ever since I got LASIK and I can see myself in the mirror when I shave, I realize I'm old. <laughs> uh, the Eagles are actually playing here in Edmonton uh, next week or the following week, I think. Oh, man. They're just... I tell you that back then I, I, I was, I was, I got to go some, to some really good concerts and I don't remember many of them. Yeah. Um, cause you know, of course I drank a lot. Oh yeah. <laughs> and that's, that was a prerequisite for being a firefighter back when I became a firefighter. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, like I, I would love to see them, uh, when they hear the Eagles, but, uh, they want a lot of money now. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And it's a shame too, because I'm like only a 15 minute walk away from the huge stadium. <laughs> oh, you got to go. I know. I know. Go. I know. Well, at least you'll be able to hear it. Probably you could maybe be able to hear it outside your house then if you're that close. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I should uh, walk closer and see if I could hear it that night. <laughs> <laughs> Get some free music. Yeah, exactly. Like streaming. Just like streaming. <laughs> So um, uh, I must say, this has been a terrific uh, podcast, Rick. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. It was great. It was great talking to you, Scott, and getting to know you a little bit. For sure. And uh, I must say, from uh, one entrepreneur to another, I don't want to knock anybody down, but it takes uh, somebody to uh, see that... Uh, see that there's a problem and then uh, create something out of that problem, uh, which is a fire sled. So that was uh, pretty remarkable what you did. Well, I appreciate it, Scott. And I appreciate you. Um, you let me talk about that product a little bit. I'm very proud of it. You know, it, uh, we put a lot of work into it and, and what's great is we've, you know, firefighters are, um, 
sometimes not the kindest uh, when you introduce them to something. And I haven't had one firefighter say anything negative about my equipment and always said exactly what I was hoping for, that it, it does exactly what we do in a fire. So, and, and that's what I was hoping for. And so it, it makes me feel good. Now, I probably never get rich. I probably never even make any money, but I get a lot of joy out of um, going around teaching people how to use it and, and showing them something a little different because not everybody can do squats and deadlifts. You know, um, everybody in the fire service should be in great shape. Doesn't mean they have to do squats or deadlifts or pull-ups. They just have to be able to do the job. And that's what we try to train them to do. Awesome. Exactly. And uh, it makes you sleep better at night too, right? Exactly right. I sleep really good. I got a good conscience tonight. Awesome. I sleep like a drunk baby. <laughs> that's the proper thing to say. Great. So uh, Rick, maybe you shouldn't drink. I just, I just want to say that, Scott. Baby should not drink. <laughs> so how can uh, people get a hold of you? Um, they can go to, um, we have a, the Facebook site is Fire Sled, um, all capitals. I have a, we have a website that we're developing right now called Fire Sled Fitness. Um, actually, Scott, too, um, should be out pretty soon. We're actually developing a, a cancer prevention app, too. So every firefighter can download the app for free on their phone. And after a fire, you know, some of those things we talked about, um, what you should do after a fire, you check, check off all those things you did for a couple of reasons. One for accountability to make sure that you know that you've done what you're supposed to do. For another thing, if you're, if you have a presumption law in your state, um, what I found out the ugly side of presumption was even though presumption means the, the, the burden is on the employer. Um, employers, uh, most times puts the, puts the burden back onto the employee to prove. So you've got to have some data and some records to show. So I would say the, um, fire sled fitness website, the fire sled Facebook page. And we also have a Instagram fire sled fitness, Instagram, and also has a fire sled fitness YouTube channel. So everybody should go on every one of those. And my phone number is available. My my emails are available. They can hit me up on the phone. They can send me an email. I guarantee you I will respond. Awesome. Well, uh, thanks a lot, Rick. And I'll see everyone else in a few weeks. Thank you. Thank you.